jumper on the way. Good! Tyus Battle nails the three! Dungey leaps and into the end zone for Dungey. A touchdown! If that's not on every highlight show tonight, then I, I don't know who's watching. Howard, oh! soaring through the air, high-flying Slovakian. Screen pass here, he'll get one. And he stays alive, and he's got room to the 10. One man to beat, he'll do it. Touchdown, Syracuse. And for Syracuse, party time. The upset, pulled by the Orange. They defeat Clemson 27 to 24. The penetration. Step back. Oh, a pressure bucket for Tyus Battle. This is Orange Nation with Stephen Fonte and Seth Goldberg. Powered by Drivers Village and Hummel's Office Plus. Good afternoon, everyone. Glad to have you with us. Alongside Seth Goldberg, I'm Stephen Fonte. It's a Tuesday edition of Orange Nation. 315-437-7644 is the number if you like to get involved. we got two guests lined up for today. Our good friend Stephen Bailey from Syracuse.com and the Post Standard set to join us in about a half hour from now as we talk some Q's football with Stephen. And then coming up at the top of hour number two, Thad Brown from WROC in Rochester. We'll talk uh, some Bills Patriots from last night. That game uh, went about the way I thought it would go. Um, even though it was close for a while, Seth, never did I believe that the Bills were were going to actually pull that thing off. And then the pick six ended it, and uh, Patriots win. Bills lose by double digits. We were both right, by the way. Uh, Patriots covered the uh, the fourteen point spread. Yep, we were right. I, look, there was no doubt. There, there was no doubt. There in was my no mind. doubt. They flirted with me. They they made me believe that there was there was a chance, but it you it know, ended I, the way we thought it would. I'm end. curious what you think of this. I tweeted this out last night. But there was a three-play, and really only a two-snap, but a three-play sequence late in the game. Touchdown pass that gets overturned. False start. Pick six going the other way. Uh, To me, that sums up Bill's Patriots, and to a larger extent, the AFC East, over the last 18 years pretty well. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm fine with that. That sums up everything the Patriots have done to the rest of that division over the last... 18 years. Tom Brady owns the Bills. We know this. Uh, more victories over that opponent than any other quarterback in NFL history. Um, gives you some idea. His his dominance. I tell you what, when the Bills got the ball back on the 35-yard line, Patriots 35, and they were down by six at the time, I thought, all right, this is, this is their chance. And they went backwards. And it, it was almost like they were playing for a field goal. And then, whoa, we're going to cut it to a field goal. No, you, you had, to score, work. had to score a that touchdown work. there. That doesn't help you. No. Had to score a touchdown, and uh, and they went backwards. But uh, that's what it's like being a Bills fan. Uh, in any event, let's start the show talking some SU football. And again, full lines are open today at 315-437-7644. We want to hear from you. And obviously, I missed out on the show yesterday, Seth. You opened the show talking about whether or not Syracuse football is is back. And we've been talking for so long about, you know, have they turned the corner? Are they at the corner? You know, when when will when will this program be back? And a lot of people put the national ranking as the benchmark. When they get back in the national polls, that will be the point when this program is quote unquote back. We all know the stat. Seventeen years. The end of the two thousand one season. Last time this team was nationally ranked, they get in the polls this week, twenty four in the coaches, twenty two in the AP. So you think they're back? You think this program has put its stamp yes. on Syracuse football is 
is in the national spotlight once again. Yeah, I, I do. I, I think they are back. I think they are back in the national consciousness. I think they are back in the larger conversation of college football. I think that tonight, when you watch the the first college football ranking uh, show, I think that they will be at least mentioned. If they're not in the poll, they will at least be mentioned on that show. Uh, something that, and I know it's a new thing. I knew it's only, and I know it's only over the last four or five years that they've had this. But something that would not have been happening the last 17 years had this been a show over that whole span. I think that is back to me. To me, going to the ESPN app on my phone and and wanting to find something about Syracuse football and just going to the college football scoreboard and having them be on the first page of results and not having to go any further to find the Syracuse tab, that is you know, back to me. They are they are back in the consciousness. They are back, uh, not all the way in the forefront, obviously. They're not a top 10 team. They're not a top 15 team. Um, but they are at least in the national thought now. They're at least in the national consciousness as far as the college football world goes. Does staying power matter when you say whether or not a program is back? Well, I think, yeah, yes, I think that's a valid point, but don't you think that by getting into the ranking, at least through this year, they're going to be thought of? You know, you know yes. what I mean by that. Like it, they've at least made their mark on this season. Yes, long term, you've got to stay. You've got to you've got to be consistently good enough to be uh, fringe ranking or better, right? Or just in the ranking. But for this year, it feels like this year they've made enough of a mark that they're that they're. You know, they're going to make their mark on college football this year, and they're going to be in that conversation the rest of the way. This is why I say that, because you go back to when Doug Marone was here, and he had two pretty good teams. He had two pretty good seasons. Won eight games twice. And he went through a stretch from the beginning of 2010 through the middle of 2011 where they were 13-7. and seven. They, they really they'd won 13 yeah. of 20 games. And then they took a nosedive at the end of 2011, even though they started five and two, they finished five and seven. Didn't make a bowl game, and then they come back the next year. And then at Fort Drum, they discover, oh wow, Ryan Nassib's really good at running the two minute offense. So let's make this a thing. And they go eight and five, and they had a really good year. I contend, I contend with that team that by the end of the year they were good enough to be ranked. Felt but like you it, couldn't, but you couldn't justify ranking them with five losses. Felt like it. Um, felt like they were good enough to be ranked. I mean, they blew out Geno Smith in West Virginia in the Pinstripe Bowl. Uh, they went the, on the road and beat an SEC team. Yeah, down, down in Missouri, <laughs> and that was a heck of a football game. Uh, two years prior, they beat Kansas State in the Pinstripe Bowl. And you look at, at that body of work over the course of those three years, Doug Marone went 8-5 and five twice. He had two bowl victories. And to your point, at the end of 2012, you felt like, all right, this team... This team could be ranked. This team may open up next season ranked, potentially. And then Doug Marone left. Right. And then Scott Schaefer took over. And, and things went downhill. So at any point, and I realize this is bordering on when you arrived at Syracuse, um, but at any point did we feel like back then Syracuse football is back? And if not, is it just the national ranking that makes you say that, I guess? Because... There was a time, again, 2010 and really more so 2012, where they go on the road and they beat Missouri. Exactly. And then they go to the Pinstripe Bowl. And they and, beat, and they, down, they beat down West Virginia. And West they Virginia really wanted did. no part of that, that game. And I think you can make the case then that, you know, is Syracuse football back? It felt like it. And then Doug Marone left. Right. And the reason I ask if staying power is important, because, and you're going to hate where I'm going with this, but does it matter what happens next year? 
Does it matter what happens next year? Of course it does. Of course that matters. Before you can say the program is back. No, I, I, does it look, have to be more than asked, they 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 caught lightning in a bottle? Everything was lined up. They had a senior quarterback. They you know had a coach that you know his system was in place for the third year, and you, and so they you, go nine and three this year. And then if if they don't follow it up next year, and it, you know that the elephant in the room is what happens to Dino Babers if they go nine sure. and three. You know that. If they don't follow it up next year with another bowl game and another winning season, can you say that the program is back? You ask if staying power matters, and of course it does. And I I would counter your argument of senior quarterback leaving whatever with you have what you think is a pretty good quarterback waiting in the wings. Potentially, by the way, potentially the best wide receiver and running back on this roster right now are not eligible to play and would be coming back next year. The secondary is is all relatively young. The linebackers, uh, you know, they're relatively young. There's another year of Alton Robinson there on the defensive line. Uh, the the running backs are, are you know, you're set up for success. Coming back. You are. So you're set up to come back next year and go be successful but, again. And I know but, there's always the but. If and, Dino's not here. I and I, know, and I'm just, I know. I'm just I saying. I'm just saying. And it's something that, that will come up, you know, weeks down the road. We don't have to talk about that today. But if all that matters to you is that they got to the national, you know, into the national rankings, that that's fine. I think you could make the case and say even earlier this season that Syracuse football was back when they went four and zero, and then they were right there with Clemson until the final minute. I think you could say national spotlight. They, you know, they showed that they're a formidable opponent, and you know, if Syracuse football feels like it's back. But maybe now it adds some validity because there's a number next to their name. I guess. Yeah, I think that the I think that that validates you a lot. I think that getting into the ranking really validates what you've done. And yeah, a lot of what I'm thinking is about getting into that poll. A lot of my thought process on is Syracuse back has to do with that little number that's next to their name and the fact that uh, oh by the way, and I I thought of this yesterday and and late on Sunday, for the first time as the Syracuse Orange, this te- this football team is going to be ranked. Uh, they they've been the Orange for 15 years. You know, it's it's been a it's been a while. It's been a while. Uh, but, yes, but you know, you're you're going to go out there and you're going to see a number next to the name, and I, I think that's a really big deal, and I think that it validates everything that they've done so far. It validates um, a lot of the changes. It, it validates the complete shift in philosophy. It validates uh, the coaching hire of Dino Babers. It validates uh, you know the 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 quarterback questioning and and the moves that have been made and and anything you want to bring up it. It adds more importance to, uh, you know, a win over Virginia Tech a couple years ago. It it, it feels like it uh, it adds to the Clemson win from last year because it wasn't just leading up to nothing. It was leading up to something bigger. And I, and it, and this is this is that moment that I think we were all waiting for. We were all waiting for the something bigger. We were all waiting for. Okay, great, you beat you beat Virginia Tech. What do you do after that? Well, you win one more game. You beat Clemson. Awesome. You lost all your games after that. What do you do next? And what is that something bigger? And that something bigger is getting to six and two, right? So not just sneaking into bowl eligibility and getting into the top twenty-five. All right. So what's next? What's next is Wake Forest on the road, BB and T Field. We joke about it, but it's tough to win in this conference on the road. If they go on the road this week, this is just a hypothetical. I'm just playing devil's advocate here. If they go on the road this week and they lose, I mean, does that I don't, change I don't your think opinion? Going to. But does that change your opinion about whether the program is back? And that's that's why I bring up the staying power issue because they have a number next to their name. Does it matter what what happens next week? This week, here's here's something. Since you bring that up, I guess 
one of my thoughts is at this point they and and this could explain it. It's going to be a, a weird roundabout way to get there. When I think of a team that's going to be, you know, in the national conversation and a team that matters, I think of College Game Day because that is the show of record in college football. I, I think. And I think that right now, as we sit here on October 30th, there's a very real chance that College Game Day is going to be at Yankee Stadium for Syracuse and for Notre Dame. And I think that if Notre Dame is is undefeated or has, uh, especially if they're undefeated, if Syracuse loses a game between now and then, I don't think it matters. Like, I, I think that that they've built this brand, they've built this team to something good enough that they can be in a game that is featured on College Game Day. And I think that that, to me, that builds the brand. That That is being back in the national conversation. That is being nationally relevant. Being good enough that you can be the team featured on college game day. Albeit you're against Notre Dame and you know Notre Dame draws ratings. But you can be that opponent. I think that matters. I think that's a pretty big deal. So, yeah, they could go lose to Wake Forest. Does it change my thoughts? I don't know. It probably would. I would probably be sitting here next Monday saying, well, that's a game that they should have won. You, you've got to win those games if you're really, you know, if, if you're going to continue this rise and you're going to take that next step. And at the same time, I'm going to sit here and say, well, as long as they handle business against Louisville, I could see them still being on game day. And and to me, that perception, that, that possibility is a really big deal. If they lose to Wake Forest to Louisville, it's certainly going to take some of the the luster off this national ranking. I mean, if they lose to Wake Forest, they'll be out the very next week. Um, We know Louisville's not a very good team, but I guess I guess my point is, and I'm just kind of playing devil's advocate here, but you know they're six and two right now. It's a great start, and it feels like they're back. It feels like they're set up for success, not only the rest of this year, but going into next year as well. But we saw them win eight games in 2012. Were they back then? And if not, why not? Because they weren't nationally ranked. Were they back in 2010 when they won eight games? I mean, Doug Marone won eight games Here's twice the, in a three-year span. I know, and 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 they're at six right now. Yeah, no, you're look, you're not wrong. That one difference that I'm going to point out, and this is semantics. It's eight when you get to the bowl game. This okay, team, this team very easily could get to eight plus their bowl game. Could get to eight, eight before the Notre Dame game. Right, they could get to they could get nine plus their bowl game. Uh, there, you know, there, there's a difference to that. Understood. To um, there, there's a difference between getting to seven wins in the regular season and getting to eight wins in the regular season. Um, getting to seven wins in the regular season doesn't get you in the poll at the end of the year. Getting to eight wins in the regular season does. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I and I'm not saying you're wrong either. I just. We've been talking about this this same question for so many years. You know, me longer than you because you're you're so much younger than me. But you know, I've worked in this town for the last 17 years, and right. it's it's a question that keeps popping up: Is SU football back? What defines being back? Is it a win well, total? Is it a bowl that game? Question for like five of those years. Yeah, right. <laughs> is it a win total? Is it a bowl game? Is it a national ranking? And and if it's a national ranking, then then they're back. I'm just I'm hesitant to say. You know, definitively put the stamp on it, even even after this season, because I feel like we've seen a couple of successful years. I mean, eight wins and and a a blowout win over West Virginia in the Pinstripe Bowl, like that feels like all right. This program's back on track, and then Doug Marone left, and things went downhill again. And if they go nine and three and go to a really nice bowl game this year, what what happens? I'm just I'm just saying, what happens if Dino leaves? Does that mean you're back? And I know John Wildhack, I addressed it with him a couple weeks ago, and he had a great answer. He said, I don't look at it as a problem. I think that's when 
someone is pursuing your coach, that means you're doing something right. So that's that's a good problem to have. And I, I understand what he's saying, and I, I buy that answer. But if he does leave, if he does leave, even though you're set up for success with the players here, the coach matters a lot. Of course it does. And so... I would just say, yes, it feels like they're back. I agree with you. I It felt like they were back after that Clemson game. Uh, it felt like Syracuse had turned the corner at 4-1. and one. And I know we had seen 4-1, and one, but it felt like that 4-1 and one was different. It feels like this 6-2 and two is different. It feels like this year is different. I buy all that. I, I think some staying power needs to be involved, though. They, they need to follow it up this week with a win. It's Wake Forest and Louisville, and then they need to follow it up next year with... A winning season in a ball game. That's fine, and and maybe my thought is that I I buy in, and and that my problem is that I'm buying, I'm all in on this, and and that I think um, that this is just, excuse me, that this is just the start, that that this is not, you know, it feels end, like it, that this is not the end of anything, that this is not the culmination of anything, that yeah, it it is a culmination of the big uh, of some things, right? It's 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 what you have been building up to over the first three years, but it's it's not the height, it's not the end for this program, and I certainly don't think it's the end for Dino Babers here. Like I guess it's I guess that's my my view on this is 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 um, swaying and and biasing what I'm how I'm answering this question because I look at this program and I look at Dino Babers and I say there's no reason why he can't stay here, win here, be win here, be right. wildly, be wildly successful here. And there's only so many jobs that right. you would leave one Power Five job for another. So I don't even can I, I don't consider that part of it as much as others might. So maybe that is swaying. nobody thought Doug Marone was leaving I, at, look, at eight and five and they just beaten West Virginia. That thing with the Bills came out of nowhere. I know. Nobody thought that was happening. We weren't even having this conversation that year. And he just, he up and left all of a sudden, blink of an eye. Right. And he also left for the NFL. Right. But it, my point is, is like you say, I can't see Dino Babers leaving. We didn't see Doug Marone leaving. It just didn't popped up. Oh, better opportunity. I'm gone. And I guess what I'm saying is, is Syracuse football truly back? Is this about Syracuse football or is this about Dino Babers? Has it, I mean, at this point, aren't they? The, uh, are they not one and the same right now? If Dino left, would they still go eight and four next year? I guess is my question. I I don't know. Right. So that that's that's why I think you have to be careful to say whether or not Syracuse football is truly back. Because if Syracuse football is back, then the coach can leave. They bring in somebody else, and Syracuse football keeps on chugging. If this is all about Dino Babers, then you got to cross your fingers. Then he comes back. 315-437-7644. We do need to take our first time out. We're back after this on ESPN Radio. Our take on the day's top stories. It's today's business on Orange Nation. We're back on a Tuesday edition of Orange Nation. Today's business brought to you every day by Grossman St. Amore CPAs as we welcome in our producer, Tommy Hogan. What's up, Tommy? How's it going? Good to see you back, Steve. Yeah. I hope you're doing well. I'm, I'm hanging in there. I'm a little better. Still a little bit under the weather, but I'm, I'm doing okay. Good uh, to hear. What do you have for us today? Uh, Demarius Thomas has been traded with a seventh-round pick to the Houston Texans for a fourth and a seventh-round pick, according to Adam Schefter. And actually, Demarius Thomas will be playing in Denver this weekend as the Texans play... The Denver Broncos. I think that's really interesting. His um, long-awaited return to Denver. Yeah, exactly. Are they going to show him a tribute video? Like, I think you would. I thank, think you should get one. Thank you. We were waiting for you to come back all four days. Yeah. Here's your tribute video. Um, I think this is a really interesting trade. Houston has just kind of surged up the 
up the uh, the rankings and uh, won five in a row. Put put Demarius Thomas with DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, that's uh, that's intriguing. It would have been it, a lot more it's intriguing. Gonna make me, it's going to make me play Deshaun Watson again. That, sure. that and that my other quarterback is Jameis Winston. It would have been a lot more intriguing if Will Fuller never got hurt. That would have been three very good. Well, that's good. why they did the trade. Sure, right? but it would have been three very good. I don't know if they still make the trade, like you said, but if they did, that's three very good wide receivers right there. I remember having this conversation with you, Seth, at the beginning of the season, and we kept saying, what's wrong with the Houston Texans? They shouldn't they, they be sh- bad. They right. should be better than this. What's wrong with the Houston Texans? And now we're seeing that they just got off to a slow start. That. Yeah, the Giants beat them. Nothing's wrong with Houston Texans. That's crazy. The one win is to the Houston Texans. The one Texans. win is the Giants beating the Houston Texans. That's unbelievable. Here's a here's a, a side note question. When did the when did the NFL trade deadline become a thing? Like when when did when did players actually start getting traded at this? Because the the only big the the like biggest trade that I remember standing out like when I was younger was like Chris Chambers getting traded from Miami to wherever they sent him to to finish out his career. Like he wasn't that good. When when he got traded, well, when did when did the deadline become a thing that that is a big deal? Where Damon Harrison's an, a, a Pro Bowl All Pro player, Demarius Thomas is a Pro Bowl player and he's on the move. Landon Collins is rumored to be on the move and he's a Pro Bowl All Pro type. Like when when did this all happen? I don't remember. It's a great point. I don't remember this. That's a great point. I wonder if it has anything to do with just teams doing business differently now. You know, it's a it's a new new era in the NFL and. The way they manage the salary cap and looking ahead, and and you mentioned the numbers with what the Broncos are saving on Demarius Thomas, not just this year but going into next year. You know, if you're if you feel like you're kind of out of it, then why not look ahead and how are we going to clear space and you know how are we going to manage the cap going into next year? What were the numbers again? Four mil this year, fourteen mil next I mean, year. That's a wow. considerable yeah. savings. Yeah, yeah. and it, and if they weren't using him all that much anyway, and he's he's chewing up that much of your payroll. Then why not? Yeah, they Make drafted. Move. They drafted Cortland Sutton, who in the third or fourth round. So I mean, he's a guy that you can look for to be your number two wide receiver. Emmanuel Sanders is still there, so they still have threats. And to save that much money this year and, and next year is really a, a good trade for the Denver Broncos, who are in this sort of rebuilding or at least starting a rebuilding phase. Yeah, I, I, it seems like a great trade, and the Broncos are one of the teams uh, along with the Giants. The, those are the teams right at the top, I think. Who are going to need a quarterback in in the draft? Those are the two teams that I look at and say, yeah, they uh, they'll be going after some kind of a quarterback because I I don't think Case Keenum's the answer. I think that's fairly obvious. And you know, as for the Texans, again, started the season zero three, lost to the Patriots, Titans, Giants, and and they've turned it on since then. And are they in the uh, division lead yet? Yeah, they're five and three. They're in the division. Yeah. They lead it by two two games. Yeah, that division's great. awful. Uh, the Colts are coming. That division. Colts awful. have won two in a row. They're three and five, Tommy. I'm telling you, the Colts are about to win five in a row. They've okay. got three games after the bye week, all at home, all against winnable teams. Steve, the Colts Tom- are coming. Steve, I bet Tommy didn't appreciate you saying the Giants and the Colts. That's a winnable game for the Giants. No, especially in Indy. Andrew Luck's going to carve up that Giants defense. Tommy. Andrew Luck, Tommy. Andrew Luck finally has a running game and an, and an offensive he's been, line. This is fascinating to watch. He's been unbelievable this year. 23 touchdowns at the bye week, halfway point of the season. Colts are not that good. They're just. Not. I'm telling you, they're coming. Okay. They've got a top five offensive line in the you league now. Like, you Marlon like Mack is legit. Seventeen years, eighteen years with You're the Bills. You're sleeping on them, Steve. You are sleeping on the Colts. As long as the Colts are in the graphic, you know how I feel about this. Exactly. Seth. As yes. long as they're the in, in the, the hunt, hunt graphic, yep. yes. then there's a chance the Bills are no longer in the hunt. No. But your Colts, your Colts might be in the bottom of the graphic. A, can we get an in the hunt for the first overall pick graphic going? Can we get, a, <laughs> can we, can we get one of those? The Giants are s- squarely on that one for they sure. They are. Yeah. Yes. If not the top of that list, I think they are. 
Uh, I've stopped watching them just altogether. Really? Oh my god, yes. I watched. I watched the red zone. I flipped over to to Fox for the Giants game for one play because on red zone I had seen that the Redskins scored. So I'm like, oh okay, the Giants are on offense now. Let's see what happens. I flip over for one play. They get called for a delay a game. I flip back before I see the snap. <laughs> I was like, oh, that's it. I'm I'm done. I saw I saw four plays from the game. I saw uh, the the touchdowns. It was a one possession game too. I saw I saw the touchdowns that the Redskins scored, the seventy something yard run yeah. from Adrian Peterson, and I saw the the ridic- the two ridiculous catches that Odell Beckham Jr. made. Those are all the plays I saw from the Giants game. I have no idea what happened after that. Outside of that, they lost. If you didn't know, I I knew that. Okay, yes, good. thank you. That's yes. why you like Odell so much. You just see the highlights. <laughs> no, I've watched plenty of him. Just not this year. I'm done with them. They're terrible. I can't do it. I can't do it. Well, the Golden State Warriors definitely are not ter- terrible, and neither is Clay Thompson. He scored 52 points in 27 minutes yesterday, breaking the single single game all-time record that his teammate actually had, 14 threes he had in last night's game in 27 minutes. Yeah, there were two things out of this game that, that I keep coming back to. One... Clay Thompson entered last night with the worst three-point percentage in the league of anybody who had taken at least 33 yep. so far this season. And then he hit 14, which been is horrible unbelievable. To start the year. Uh, he also made more threes last night than the entire 1982 Lakers. Which I is, also saw he made wild. more than Larry Bird in like yes. the 1981-82 <laughs> season or something yes. like that. Uh, it's it's just incredible how like sports evolve and, and yeah. move forward. Um, but it, it also brings up something that we talked about with, with Steph. When Steph did this, uh, what, last week? Uh, when he went for 51 points in three quarters. I just want to see them go all out one night. I just want to see them say, sorry, Chicago, but we don't care about you. We're going to put on a show tonight. They scored 92 points in the first half. Wouldn't you love to see what they could get up to? Like, Wouldn't you love to see what that record is that they could set? How many points they possibly could get to? Like, How, how many guys could they get to over 40? If they just really went all out with Steph and Clay and Kevin Durant on the floor the whole time, how many points would they have scored? Or if they just they just try to shoot threes, they, yeah, every shot's they, a three. Exactly. It's like something you would do if you were playing like you know NBA two K. You'd just be like, yeah, all right, exactly. This game, it's I'm over. just shooting threes, and <laughs> that would be that would be something. Another ridiculous, yeah. sorry, another ridiculous stat from Clay Thompson's night: five dribbles the entire night, fifty-two points. He took that's five how, that's how dribbles. He that's <laughs> yeah, that's what he does. He just running off screens. They showed him. They showed his highlights uh, on Catch Sports Center. They yep. showed all his fourteen his fourteen threes on on Scott Van Pelt's Sports Center last night. It led the show, and before he he made six threes before he took a dribble in the highlight package, and then and then on the sixth one he pump fake took one yeah. dribble to his left. That's all it, it is. Yeah, like, that was it. Those he are does, the five dribbles. He does not pump move fakes. with the ball. It's unbelievable. I talked about this on in the booth last week. Do you guys enjoy watching the Golden State Warriors? I love watching the Warriors. Yes. Just I, because they're so much better than everyone? Is that why you're saying I that? cannot stand watching them. Because they're why? so good? I don't like thirty. just pulling up from 30 feet. I don't find that what as enjoyable with basketball. You it's not how guys ba- grind. It's and- not how James Naismith intended the game of yeah, basketball to be played. you know what? He didn't want people dribbling. He wanted jump balls after every basket made. He had problems with his game, and it's been fixed. I do not enjoy the, the wanna, way the Golden State Warriors play. You want to go back and play. watch basketball from the 1940s? Go right ahead. I'll watch let, this. Let me answer your question like this. So, I I love watching greatness. Okay, so growing up, I was a Jordan fan. I really enjoy watching LeBron. I enjoy watching Tiger Woods. You know, certainly in his in his heyday when when every week it was how how much can he win by? Even though he was lapping the field, I I love watching greatness. So. In that aspect, I do enjoy watching the Warriors because they are great and they've got players on that team. However, sure. 
at the end of the year, I do find myself rooting against them because I they've they've put together a team of all stars, and and I do it's very annoying. I do like to root for the underdog as well. Yes. So as much as I love witnessing greatness, I don't necessarily root for greatness to win the titles every year. So when it becomes you know April, May, June, I do find myself rooting against them. Dynasties aren't fun when they're not your team. Yeah, no, that's but fair. Di- but sports need dynasties. I I will I will like live UConn and die women. on this. Hill. Perfect example: UConn women. I love watching the UConn women when, you know, especially when Brianna Stewart was there. Sure. We covered them, right? And it was you know we had a focus on her, and and I I love watching greatness. And she very well may be the best college female basketball player Ever. of all time. Sure. Um, however. You would, you know, they'd get into the NCAA tournament. Not so much when Brianna was there, because obviously the local flavor. I wanted her to do well and succeed and win. But when I, since she's graduated, when I watch UConn women play, I want to see them lose. <laughs> I want to see them lose because mm-hmm. it's they are so dominant that you you root for the underdog. When to they beat them. when they get I, beat, it becomes fun. Yeah, it, it, it's, I love watching it's greatness. Game. Sure, it, I love them, watching yeah. greatness, and I would petition for all eighty-two Warriors games to be put on NBA TV. Like all the ones that are not already on ESPN and TNT and ABC, put them on NBA TV so that we can all watch. I like competitive balance, and that's not what the oh, Golden no, State. Oh no, you are. don't. That's yeah, a whole. That's I, a I load don't, of garbage. I don't that like. Is a load I can't stand of it. Garbage. Nobody wants parody. It's do. all a joke. It's all a hoax. That's why Nobody college wants, basketball is great. No, 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 no. College bar- basketball is not parody. Are you kidding me? There are haves and have-nots. Yeah, but to Tommy's point, I I don't. There's no dynasty. You know this is how I feel about the NBA. I don't like going into the season knowing that there's literally four teams that can win the title. I don't like that about the NBA. And that's a stretch, probably. Probably not even four teams. That is a stretch. I mean, it's one. I I don't like that. Um, And and that's why I feel like the NBA. I'm not an NBA guy. I feel like the NBA, the regular season, I I don't pay much attention to. It doesn't really feel like to me it matters all that much because you you know who's going to be there in the end. Now when it gets to be like the Eastern Conference Finals and the Western Conference Finals, yeah, I start paying attention because you've got a Final Four and any one of those four teams theoretically could win the title. Um, but I I don't like starting the season knowing that what eighty five percent of your league has no chance of winning the title. It's, in baseball, you could say it's probably. I don't 50. know. I was going to say half. Yeah. Half the league has no chance. I, I don't love that. That's no. not the case in the NFL. No. Today's business brought to you by Grossman St. Amours. Look ahead to 2019 with Grossman St. Amours CPAs. Remain focused with today's business on helping clients prosper by providing comprehensive accounting, auditing, tax planning, and tax preparation services. Visit GSACPAs.com. That is why I like the the NFL, because there is parity. And a lot of times the, the playoff teams change over from one year my, to the next. My... I guess my parody point is nobody wants real parody. Nobody wants everybody at eight and eight. Nobody wants everybody no, at forty one and forty one. Kind of you want it to be more parody more that, even than it is right now, but you don't want it to be real parody in that parody. pretty much anyone can win com- the whole thing. You sure. want competitive balance, not parody. And I think that's what Tommy was talking about with college basketball. The NCAA tournament, twenty five teams could win the For NCAA yes. tournament. That's not the case in the NBA. We gotta run. We'll be back after this, wrap up the show on ESPN radio.